0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website
3: for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA podcast. Uh, we recorded Sunday, and in the last 48 hours, the NBA has gone to hell. So we are going to talk about a lot today, including the latest trade rumors for Paul George, Jimmy Butler, and surprisingly, Christoph Porzingis. We're also going to evaluate what, in God's name, the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing. Before we get into all of that, just a reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes. We'd love it if you subscribed, downloaded, left some reviews. Any feedback would be great. And you can find us this year on FanRag Sports, so follow them on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRagNBA. With the draft coming up Thursday, we've got a lot of draft coverage coming out over the next couple days. Also, free agency is just around the corner, so... Plenty of good stuff going on, even though the season is technically over. With all of that said, I'm joined today, as always, by my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? It's going well, Brian, because Sarah apparently defeated James Hollis in returning as co-host. <laughs> yes, welcome back, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> C- congrats on staving off James, at least for, for now. Um, we also yeah. have a special guest today. We have the NBA content manager of FanRag Sports, Jason Pat. Jay, how's it going?
2: I am doing well. Just uh, getting trying to keep up with all this craziness that's going on. Yeah, for real.
3: I was buying a white a car with my wife today, and I was just like following along on Twitter as that process was taking five hours. And it just seems like the NBA is in total meltdown. So I'm excited to talk about all of that. Before we do. Jay, uh let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and then where they can find your work as well. So you can find me on Twitter, uh Bulls underscore J.
2: And then I am the content manager of FanRag Sports, head up the NBA sub, so obviously this is a great time of year, super busy dealing with all this madness. And you could also I also do some bull stuff, blogable.com, but mostly, like I said, to deal with the whole NBA, fanreg.com, fanreg NBA, so. I'm ready to ready to hit
3: it with all these these rumor talk. Yeah, let's so let's start. I mean, we recorded uh, with James on Sunday to talk about the Markel Fultz trade. I feel like the minute we stopped recording, Adrian Wojnarowski drops the first of many Woj bombs this week. He reports that Paul George has officially informed the Indiana Pacers that he has no interest in re-signing with them after 2018. Uh, at this point, it sounds like. Plenty of suitors are coming out of the woodwork for him. Uh, there have been reports, basically, that Indiana is trying to get this done sooner rather than later. Um, so, Jay, I'm going to ask you first. Do you think the Pacers need to trade him either this offseason or even by the draft? I would say they probably should just move quickly on this. I mean, I don't really
2: see the point of waiting. I guess as the closer they get to the offseason, his value is just going to keep getting lower. So you might as well, and it's obviously there's plenty of teams that are going to be interested in him, so you might as well trade him now. You can get so, something good. They don't have that much leverage. I guess the, all the interest, interest from these other teams should help with some leverage, but when he's basically telling you, that I'm, I'm leaving, I'm not going to stay there anymore, I you just got to make the move now. You have to take the best deal you can get and hope that and to go into rebuild mode and uh, play Lance Stevenson at point guard.
3: <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> we should note who was that? Greg Doyle, I think, from the Indianapolis Star had that report that they are toying with the idea as point guard Lance, which should be all sorts of fun. So even if they trade Paul George, the Pacers will still be a league pass team next year just for that. Um, Sarah, I want to ask you, so, you know, the the Lakers have been his reported preferred destination for months now. Woj mentioned it Sunday. I feel like Sam Amick of USA Today was the one who started hammering this home in February. Um, If you're the Lakers, Sarah, do you trade anything for him now when you know he hopes to sign with you as a free agent in 2018? Or do you just wait him out and say, you know, Indiana, you can trade him wherever you want. We don't really care because we think he's coming home next summer and we're not going to give up anything of value for him now.
1: It really just depends. Honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to a trade um, because you get him, you get him one year sooner, you get to get him in there with your young guys. It, it really just depends, and then he's locked in. Uh, well, not locked in, but you can start working on an extension or whatever. Um, I know that you floated this trade idea on B-Ball Breakdown: uh, Julius Randle, Jordan Clarkson, and the number twenty-eight pick. Honestly, I kind of like I like that for Indiana. I don't think that it's giving up too much for the Lakers either. Um, so I'd be cool with that. <laughs> we've talked about before it it stakes their their deals that they gave to Lou Aldang and uh, Timofey, Mogow <laughs> 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 So there's really there's really no way around that. Um, you know, you could try to throw that in, but I don't think the pacers are going to go for it. So what I want to ask y'all though is like where would you most like to see him end up? Obviously, he prefers the Lakers and that's out there. Um, but Jesus Gomez uh, floated an idea for the Jazz. Uh, mm. Derek Favors, Alec Burks, and then a couple of draft picks. To me, I would love to see him there. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think that would be beautiful. And I'd love to see Jimmy Butler end up with the Wolves, but we can go there later. Ooh. But, like, those two moves, to me, mm. of course it makes the West even more of a bear, but, <laughs> but I would love some more uh, competition for the w- Warriors, so... I would like to see that, personally.
3: Yeah. Mort, I was going to ask you which other team should go after him, so let's just respond to Sarah's question right now.
0: That is an excellent (laughs) idea. Like, Utah with an all-around small forward slash power forward because George can play both, next to Gordon Hayward, who can slide between the two and the three. And then if you keep George Hill going and you have Rudy Gobert protecting the rim... God, I love that lineup for defensive issues. And then offensively speaking, I kind of dig it as well. Like, you would take a lot of pressure off Hayward, and Hayward himself would take a lot of pressure off of George as well. That would be a very effective scoring duo there at the forward spots. I'm digging that one, Sarah. That's a good one. I didn't see that one. I like it. It's under the radar, and it's still really, really intriguing. Like, Utah is one of those teams that we all like. So why not look Mm -hmm. to them to make them a little bit better? Yeah. No, definitely. That's a wonderful one.
3: And that one, I mean, if, you know, we constructed these trades for B ball Breakdown, none of us have insight into uh, the actual trade negotiations we should note. So, you know, I've seen the Clarkson-Randall 28 thing floated elsewhere as well Mm -hmm. ever since I wrote that. But, I, you know, I haven't seen the exact parameters of a concrete rumored Utah deal. But if they were to take, you know, if, if they would do favors Burks and a couple, it was like a lottery protected pick and some other, I forget what else, but some Jazz's sort of protected 24th picks.
1: overall this year and mm-hmm. Thunder's lottery protected 2018 pick. That's okay. what it was.
3: Yeah, like, I that's a pretty good value for, you know, I mean, you're not gonna get fair value for Paul George right now. I think that's the thing that's worth just hammering home repeatedly, because he yeah. has r- ruined you know in a in a way he did the pacers a favor because he's like not going to leave them empty handed like Kevin Durant did to OKC last summer so that's great like selling him for 40 cents on the dollar is better than getting 0 cents on the dollar but that said you're not going to get equal value in return for him so like none of the deals that are being floated out are going to sound all that great for a player of George's caliber but you know favors if he can get over his injuries, he's at least intriguing. He'd be fun next to Miles Turner, Alec Burks. Again, injuries are the big concern, but he has promise and he's pretty young still. And then two picks, like, yeah, that's that's a good one. Uh, Jay, who who would you like to see go after Paul George?
2: Uh, first of all, it looks like Stein just tweeted out some teams that have talked to them. Mm. So we have Clippers, Rockets, Wizards, Cavs, obviously, and then Lakers. Uh, another team I was thinking of that I think I've seen people have mentioned is the Blazers could be kind mm-hmm. of interesting. They have a ton of first-round picks, and if, mm. I mean, like I said, obviously it's tough because this is, would probably be a rental, but if they have contracts that they could match back, and if they toss in a few picks, and you one year of, if anything, of George, Dame, McCollum and Nurkic, that'd be a pretty fun team though. Challenge out there in the West. I, I do agree with the Jazz one. That'd be really fun if they do keep Hayward and they're able to keep that group together and adding George. That would be a really good team. These other, these other teams. Uh, I mean, the Rockets with Harden. I guess that'd be fun. I mean, the Wizards. I'm not really sure what the Wizards have to offer. Do they have any extra first rounders or any anything at all that would be that interesting? Like, with, no, trade no, like really. Kelly Oubre. Mm. I don't. Yeah, I really don't see what they would really offer. And I guess the Rockets. I don't know what they really have to offer that much either. Clippers, obviously, the Clippers I feel like are always in on these on these conversations. <laughs> I know there was uh Sean Devaney or whatever had the thing about a possible sign in trade. Mm-hmm. Like if if they if the trade didn't happen like now before the draft, I don't know, that seems like a long shot anyways. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it'll probably come down to it seems like he's gonna go to the Lakers and when you were talking about what they should give up. I think with that what you guys are saying it makes sense. I would assume that they, that number two, Russell and Ingram are probably off the table. Because yeah. why would you trade those kind of studs when you can possibly sign him next summer? I get wanting to get him now and worrying about him going some more good and him deciding to stay. But I don't know. I feel like if he's, especially, I mean, like I said, we we're not privy to all these conversations. Like I mean, Paul George's camp could be telling them, "Who, no matter where we go, we're coming to you next year." So, and that if that's the case. Russell, I mean, like I mean, Randall. I mean, I know he's getting shredded this off season, but he still hasn't shown that. I know he's not shown that he hasn't shown that much as a player. Clarkson is coming off a down year. If you can do that, and then that, that later first rounder, I mean, I think that'd be a great deal. I'd be willing to give up those parts to add George to Ingram, Russell, the number two pick, and Zubach, or however you say his name, but it'd be, and Larry Nance. That'd be, I think, that'd be good.
3: Yeah, and I mean, it's worth noting, you know. They could sign him next summer, but if they trade for him, they get his bird rights, they can accept the cap to re-sign him, so there is value beyond just, like, having him there instead of, like, on Cleveland and having him fall in love with Cleveland and then not want to leave (laughs) next year. Uh, So there is value there. Two notes that I want to bring up. Uh, One, Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report has been hammering this home lately. On the Randall note in particular, apparently he shares an agent with Paul George, so... That's just another factor to keep in mind you when, we're, when we're concocting these fake deals. Like, <laughs> that might influence whether the Lakers are going, you know, maybe he wants to stay, maybe the agent wants all three of them to stay uh, together because Russell also shares the same agent. But two, uh, both Kevin Ding of Bleacher Report and apparently Kevin Arnovitz of ESPN yesterday, um, Kevin Ding had a story about Uh, You know, the Lakers are planning on drafting Lonzo Ball in all likelihood, but they're also eyeing Paul George and LeBron James. And he mentioned in, in regard to both Russell and Randall, you know, they've, they are, the Lakers are still high on both of them, but they're also kind of disappointed in them. Uh, especially, apparently, Russell, he said, just wasn't as professional as they hoped. And then Randall, like, didn't take well to criticism if it was delivered harshly. Um... Arnovitz apparently. I haven't listened to the full Low Post podcast yet, but he apparently said something along those same lines. And then late last night, Chad Ford of ESPN oh, had God. a report that they were that they're reportedly shopping D'Angelo Russell for a top twelve pick. So while I agree that I wouldn't trade Russell for George, uh, you know, if he's you know because he's very likely to come over, um, it does seem like the Lakers might be lower on him than the at the consensus outside of LA, so it's just something to keep in mind. Um, you know, Jay, you mentioned the Blazers. I love, love, love love them, and they have so many bad contracts they could get rid of. Oh, like, God, yeah. I think, uh, who was it, Sarah? Was it Brandon Jefferson who had the fake Blazers trade in that B-Ball Bakedown piece, and it was like, I think he did Alan Crabb and then all three of their first round picks this year for George, which is you know, it's interesting. Yeah. It's not yeah. it, it's not horrible value at all. Right. At all. Like yeah. I mean the, the we've talked in recent weeks about this draft class and how it's kind of a crapshoot after that first twelve or so. It's loaded with a lot of big guys, but like, you know, maybe you take a Justin Patton and a Terrence Ferguson and a OG and then you got a pretty interesting young core next to Miles Turner and Krabs, so I think, you know, while the Pacers are in trouble in terms of getting superstar caliber return, like they're not going to get an Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love type deal, if they move quickly, they should be able to get something of value. They're going to be rebuilding. They're going to miss the playoffs next year, but they're not necessarily going to be so screwed that they're, you know, the, <laughs> the post-Dwight Howard magic or like the current Brooklyn Nets basically.
2: I think from the Blazers' point of view too. Like, okay, like giving up three firsts like doesn't seem ideal. But I mean, what you give up three late first rounders and whatever a bad contract for a chance for one year, even if it's only one year of Paul George, that would be an awesome year probably. And if he leaves, I mean, you still have Dame and CJ, so it's I'm really not sure. And probably Nurk, hopefully long term. Like, so I don't think they'd really be giving up that much. Like, obviously losing assets like that for a rental isn't great, but. For a team like Portland, I feel like that feel like it'd be worth it.
3: Right? Yeah. I mean, none of those. A, they don't have the roster spots for all three of those first round yeah. picks anyway. So if they keep yeah. all three, one's going to be a draft and stash. And B, like you need to get out of the salary cap hell you put yourself in last summer. So Crab is probably the most promising of their non-Damon, and CJ, and Nurkic guys. But if it takes oh, yeah. that to get Paul George, and then even if there is a 1% chance he re-signs, like maybe he falls in love with playing next to Damon, CJ, and Nurkic. It's, you know, we don't know. It seems like he really wants to go back to L.A., but if the Lakers really suck this year, maybe he sees like, hey, Portland, you know, I can sign like a two- or three-year deal next summer, stay here through my prime, and then I'll go back to L.A. with LeBron in my late 30s. Yep,
0: agreed. And Portland is closer to home, I mean, than Indiana is. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, oftentimes when we have NBA players who want to go home, like, they would settle for a team that's just close by. Right. We've seen that before. I mean, I'm not saying that Portland and Los Angeles are like next-door neighbors or anything. I I get there's still a bit of distance, but it's not Indiana.
3: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's why Derrick Rose is going to be a pacer this summer. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my. Oh, my. Uh, All right, let's go to Jimmy Butler. Jay, you are a Bulls guy. The Jimmy Butler rumors, I feel like this has just been a fixture of draft week for the last couple years now. So, naturally, on Monday, they started again. According to Adrian Wojnarowski of The Vertical, Minnesota has interest and has made preliminary contact already with the Bulls. Uh... (laughs) Before David Griffin unceremoniously left, apparently the Cavs were trying to assemble a multi-team deal for Jimmy. KC uh, Johnson of the Chicago Tribune mentioned the Suns as a possible third team. So, Jay, do you think Jimmy Butler is a Chicago Bull come Friday morning? I feel like I still think that he will be. I mean, the Bulls, they think
2: like they've wanted not to rebuild. And I've gone, like, back and forth on this just because... I'm a big Jimmy fan, but they're in such a just shitty spot with their team. You know, me and me and or Morton, I have talked about this plenty of times. Just mired mediocrity, which is sad considering they have a player as good as Jimmy. He still has two years left, so they they need to ask for a lot. And obviously, it seems like they are asking for a lot, which is the right play. They're doing their due diligence. It seems like obviously with all these rumors, and I still don't think they're going to have the guts to pull off a trade. And they'll probably just end up saying, well, you know, we value them highly. No teams met our, met our asking price, and they just they won't do it, and they'll have another garbage, mediocre, not fun year. I, 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 so I like, kind of do hope they trade them just to get the rebuild, start younger, but I'm also worried about them just botching the trade really badly. So it's like, this, with the Bulls, I just always find myself in just a terrible spot where I end up getting depressed <laughs> after talking about it. <laughs>
3: I apologize yep. in advance for these next 10 minutes. That's all good. Um, More. what is the lowest you would take for Jimmy Butler right now? If I'm the Bulls? Mm-hmm. I, don't, I honestly don't care.
0: I just want him off that team. <laughs> I, I, I just want him for his sake. Right. I just want him to go somewhere where he can be happy because he can't possibly be happy in whatever it is that Chicago is doing. No, but honestly, if, if I'm looking at it objectively, I would want a lottery pick and a young guy. Like, um, So last year, this is basically the same story going into the draft as last year. It was Boston, it was Minnesota. Those two came up. Mm-hmm. And then this year we have Phoenix, who were kind of mentioned last year as well because they had a high pick, I think third or something. Yeah. Um, wasn't was third? I don't. Know, I, don't remember, I don't remember. I think they had four. They took Bender. Four <laughs> Bender. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So so it's the same slot they're in this year, actually. Uh, so they were mentioned briefly as well, likewise as now, and we were consistently told that the one pick from Boston, you know, the Chris Dunn pick, that the Bulls wanted Chris Dunn because obviously they, they <laughs> wanted Chris Dunn. It was terrible. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was they wanted Chris Dunn, and then they wanted a starter, preferably a, a young guy. Then when the deal turned over to Minnesota, it was like, okay, we we want Minnesota's pick and we want a young guy, but like Zach Levine is not enough. So, I I'm guessing this is just off me. I I think that the Bulls said you can have Jimmy if you give us your pick, and Andrew Wiggins. So Ooh, that's well, probably well, where well, they well, came from. Yeah, but I agree. See, yeah, like, see Brian, you're laughing, but honestly, Andrew Wiggins. Like, I get that there's the potential there, but he's dramatically overrated when you look at him. So, I mean, I kind of get why the Bulls would ask for that.
2: Like, Jimmy's and, and great. we talk about the dynamic between Tibbs and the Frogs. I feel like the Bulls just would not... They'd be really careful about trading with Tibbs. Like, they mm. do oh. not want to get embarrassed by Tibbs, basically, kind of, again. Like, so, oh, yeah, mm. I think I, I agree. I wrote a thing on Butler yesterday at FanRag which just... Kind of parsing through some of these rumors, and I said I think it would have if they were to trade him now, it would have to be Wiggins and the seven pick. Like I feel like there's no way like Dunn, Levine, and the seven would be enough because Levine's coming off the ACL. Dunn had a horrible rookie year, so I mean that trade I think would be not look good for the Bulls. And with Wiggins, like you said, he's been kind of overrated. He was he did improve last year, but I feel like at least that gives you the a guy who who could be like a Jimmy Baller like they're kind of kind of similar players. At least the idea of Wiggins could be what Jimmy Butler is now, and then you get another young guy at seven. And you talk to the point of just, like, the general minimum for Butler. I definitely agree you need high pick this year and then one other prime Mm -hmm. asset, whether it's a young player, whether it's another high pick next year. So then you could rebuild, tank, and then hopefully get themselves a high pick next year because in next year's draft, if you can have a better chance or multiple chances at guys like Luka Doncic, Michael Porter Jr., DeAndre Ayton, like, that's obviously the goal here. Mo Bamba. Yeah, Bamba. Yep. Yeah, so if you get could get chances at those guys, and you can have two or three of those guys over the next few years to rebuild with, that's an attractive, an attractive option to go after.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but that's not going to happen.
1: Right. <laughs> let's
0: just let's just stick with that because the Bulls have run this ridiculous idea by fans for the past year. They've been arguing that oh, the 1999 rebuild that was so horrible it's, they talk about it like it was the Holocaust it's so ridiculous it's so ridiculous uh, like oh it took and it takes seven or eight years to rebuild no it takes seven or eight years to rebuild if you're freaking incompetent right so like that excuse they're trying to sell that to fans and it's bullshit
3: it's utter bullshit so yeah like I mean look at this you know look at the Sixers it took them four years. Like, <laughs> You're I mean, honestly, like, you know, I, I hate to, like, tangent here for a second, but Dan Feldman of NBC Sports was asking this last night on Twitter. Like, what is, you know, what what is, like, the the net result you would need to do the process over again? And I was like, bro, it doesn't matter. Like, you don't look at where the Sixers were in 2013. They had no assets whatsoever. They traded two first-round picks. Their only good player was Drew Holiday. Mm. Now look at them. Yeah, so, like, I saw- two... See, I saw okay. some column. I think that somebody tweeted out. I think
2: I think it was either this morning or last night about some like Philly columnist was like, "Oh, the Sixers should tra- should build around Thad Young and Evan Turner." Like, yeah. it went from that to wherever they're at now. Like that, even if the yeah. even if like whatever this doesn't end up working out in the like deep playoff runs, like at least the idea of attempting it and getting this core is better than trying to build around
3: bums like that. Right, right. That was part of RT Armageddon, which yeah. was some of the best. Twitter I've ever seen. Oh, yeah.
0: Joel and B got in on the oh, RT I'm like right, right getting
3: action. That was nice. Yeah, I no, but, but yeah, but, it's just honestly, to your point though, Mark, like, it, you know, even if you're starting from nothing, you can turn it into yeah. a real team in four years. Like just because the Magic have screwed their rebuild up and the Kings have screwed their rebuild up and the Knicks are just perpetually mm. crappy doesn't right. mean that's what rebuilding is. Like if you're trading Jimmy Butler, you, you know, you're, you're coming from a better spot yeah. than the Sixers did in 2013.
0: And here's the thing. Here, here's what pisses me off the most. It's the fact that Bulls fans for years have just screamed out, we're okay with a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been saying that. So when Gar and Pax come out and say, oh, well, a rebuild, whew, how is that going to play? That's that's We're going to be really bad. Then that just proves to me they are not listening to anyone. They're not listening. I even wrote a post on Bloggable at some point where I asked people, I, I did a poll, I don't remember the exact results, where I asked people, like, if the Bulls went into, like, a full-on rebuild, would you actually support the team? Would you tune in and watch them more than you do now, Where there's st- compared to when they're stuck in No Man's Land? And the vast majority said yes. Some even said yes, I would even buy tickets. I would mm. be more inclined to buy tickets to go watch this rebuilding process, because at least that shows they've chosen a fucking direction. But the, the Bulls are like, well, nope. We can't do that because uh, ticket sales. No, right. You're not. You're not listening. You're not even looking. Was... Like, yeah.
3: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> like, look, and that's also why. I, like, I was joking earlier when when I saw the Bulls were allegedly interested in Andre Iguodala. I was like, mm. he's a bit on the young side, isn't he? <laughs> like, younger and mean? more athletic. Yeah. Younger and more <laughs> athletic. It's just, look, Jay. I know you're with me on this one. Like, it's just the the lack of transparency as well. It's the constant bullshit feed that fans are being fed and asked to swallow on a year to year basis. Right. Like, look, it's become a thing. Like the the end of the year press conference, every Bulls fan is tuning in and ready with the jokes, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I know you were there this year as well. Like everyone was, it was ridiculous.
2: Yeah, to that point, like one of the hilarious things, we were. I was actually out, out with some fellow blog on Friday, and we were. Talk, just talking about that. Just uh, John Paxson, like, what? W- one side, he'll be like, "Well, you know, we really we don't have the flexibility to overhaul our roster this year because we have players under contract." And then, then like the next breath, like, "Oh, we have so much flexibility for 2018. Like, it's gonna be, it's <laughs> gonna be fine." Like, on one hand, oh, we have all this flexibility. And the other, well, we can't make any major changes this summer because we have these players under contract. For with like, just I mean, the Dwayne Wade contract is just absolutely ridiculous. Why, why the heck did they give him? First of all, I would hated it to begin with, just because I've never liked Dwayne Wade, and just the idea of that was purely transparent. For in terms of like marketing, ticket sales, sales, crap mm. like that. But the, <laughs> that's an area that's
0: transparent. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but the two-year deal for twenty, basically twenty-four million a year with the player, the player option. Why? Why are they they give him a player option? Like, hmm. give him the two-year deal with like a team option or non-guaranteed money on his second year, like make him if he's if he goes and if he goes the nuggets or the bucks last summer so what like whatever like to <laughs> the, to give him a two year deal and to hamstring them this summer because he's been wade is basically sitting over this entire summer and it almost like makes me want to trade butler more just to hopefully get wade out so they can definitely right. like start all over it's just it's just ridiculous and these, those press conferences are just painful to watch every summer because it's always just always me, like we can't do anything we're we're not doing it good we and they they always they still bring up Derrick Rose, his stuff, and it's just like get get over it. He got injured like five years ago. Just take some responsibility. Have some goddamn accountability for your moves. But it just never happens. And like I said, I'm not I'm expecting them not to trade Jimmy. And we'll hear the same crap going into the next year. They'll Wade will be back. Ronda will be back. And we'll just hear the same stuff. All we know like whatever. We 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 talked to some teams, but we were never really looking to trade him. We weren't really gonna do anything. And then. And then they're going to try to trade for Kyrie Irving, according to Joe Collie, which the article he put out today was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. What it, it went, uh, yeah, I don't know if you saw this. So Colley put no. out this article today about about Jimmy and the Cavs, and it said, "Oh, Jimmy may push to trade push for a trade to get to the Cavs." And then it talked, and then it just went into this whole meandering thing. It brought up Kyle Lowry about him possibly going to the Bulls, and then it ended with Kyrie talking about how Kyrie Irving has been reaching out to put reaching out to people, and then the, how he might want to play in Chicago if LeBron left next year. It was just like this: you need to go see it. Go we'll read this article because yeah, it's just all over I, the yard, it was all like, over the place. It is. <laughs> a, it was a hot mess, <laughs> completely hilarious. I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. Jimmy was trying to wouldn't try to push to go to Cleveland. Why would why would you want to stay with the Bulls? Go play with LeBron for right. at least a year and see if you can win a title. And I I wouldn't blame it at all. Blame him at all if he did that.
0: <laughs> And he's tied with Kyrie. Like, that's yeah, part of the reason exactly. I think how wrote the piece. That's mm. because he knows that there's a relationship there. Like, And let's be honest, like, a Kyrie-Jimmy backcourt duo, that would be freaking insane. Yeah, that'd be um, awesome. I yeah. get that.
3: Well, well, we'll talk about LeBron's future in Cleveland shortly. But, Jay, I'm glad you brought up, you know, the idea of trading Jimmy to get D-Wade to turn down that player option because, you know, that's I, I – we've all seen reports that Wade is leaning toward uh, opting in, but if you trade Jimmy and you trade Rondo, whose contract isn't guaranteed until the end of this month, you know, then it starts to become interesting. Maybe D. Wade decides he wants out, and he can go you know, he can do half of Team Banana Boat in Cleveland for a year, and then he'll go follow LeBron wherever he goes in 2018, because that's from the soundest things, it might not be Cleveland. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And one other thing yeah.
2: I would like to bring up, just in terms of the Jimmy trade, especially with the Cavaliers, is Obviously, the Cavs do not have anything the uh, uh, Bulls would really want. They shouldn't want Kevin Love, they, and they're not going to trade Jimmy for Kyrie, sure. Obviously, that's going to happen. So, like they t- they're talking about the third teams, and I'm just kind of confused why those third teams. Like the, I've seen, I've seen the, uh, the Suns. I think we met somebody mentioned the Suns mm-hmm. before, and I they mentioned the Lakers in his thing that I talked. The thing was all over the place, but he mentions these teams. I'm just kind of confused why any of those teams would want to facilitate a trade to get Jimmy to those teams and then to take on Kevin Love when, I mean, why wouldn't they just want to trade for like, if anything, they could trade for Butler themselves with the assets that they have. Like, why would they want, why would they want to do the whole Kevin Love thing? Obviously Kevin Love's still good. I think he's still kind of underrated, even though obviously he has his issues against the Warriors generally, but like overall he's fine. But like, why would a team like the Suns, would they really trade the fourth? pick for Kevin Love? Like, I don't think that sounds like a great idea. Or like the Lakers, they would what would they trade that would make it worth it for the Bulls to trade Jimmy to the Cavs? Those teams would have to give the Bulls a ton, like, to take Kevin Love. I I don't understand that at
3: and all, the Suns, really. Uh, the Suns especially, they just drafted Bender and Chris, both of whom say, play the same position yeah. as Kevin Love, so that's especially... I mean, you know, I, I think in a vacuum... I don't. I'm just not in love with the guys in that like three, four, five range, depending on who actually goes there. But you know, I, I had been very nervous uh, up until about Saturday about those picks. So like, yeah, maybe in a vacuum, four for Kevin Love is reasonable. But yeah, I don't know why the Suns would do it or why you wouldn't just take Jimmy as you said. Yeah. Like, if the Bulls were willing to do four and um, you know four and change for Jimmy Butler, totally just do that. Um, All right, let's move on to Kristaps Porzingis, who, honestly, you know, earlier this offseason, right after the regular season ended, there was a little bit of scuttlebutt about him because he skipped his exit meeting and then, like, hadn't gotten in touch with anyone in the Knicks organization. Uh, Turns out he still hasn't talked to anyone in the Knicks organization, and so Woj reported Tuesday... That Phil Jackson has not ruled out trading Kristaps, uh, doesn't make it sound like he is openly shopping him, but he's at least available for the right price. Sarah, do you think Phil Jackson should be fired on the spot, or is, <laughs> or, or is it reasonable to consider uh, shopping Kristaps, given his unhappiness with the organization?
1: I mean, I guess that slightly makes sense if he's that pissed that he's done with y'all. But so then, if you're the Knicks, why not part ways with the people who pissed him off that much? You know that <laughs> right. Why why, why continue on that road and give up? Because they stops? own the team. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. That's the problem.
0: <laughs>
1: but, yeah, they need to clean house. Somebody, somewhere, got to step up, step in there. Yeah. No, I mean, we've all talked about it. Phil, I don't know what the hell he's doing. I'm not sure if he knows what the hell he's doing. So, he's just hes crazy right now. I, the moves, all last year, throwing Melo under the bus every two seconds was disgusting. The Charles Ugly thing was disgusting. And now this is kind of the cherry on top. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would go with your first option. Fired yeah. on the spot.
3: Yeah. yeah, And there is, I forget, oh, it was Woj who also reported Phil was trying to meet with Lori Markkinen. Uh, they have the 8th pick. Uh, it's like I guess the same they... guy as Porzingis. <laughs> right, yeah. Totally. <laughs> Basically a clone of in <laughs> Phil's eyes. So. Just a lot worse. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, More. I mean, Coach Dave, Dave Defer on Twitter, suggested the Sixers should trade Ben Simmons straight up for Kristaps. Do you think that's crazy? Or what, if you're the Knicks and you're actually oh, shopping I... him, what would you expect for Kristaps? Look, I, I would do that if I'm Philly. Me too. Yeah, I mean, you just you don't know what Ben Simmons is
0: right now. You know what Porzingis is. So, obviously, uh coincidentally, we we spoke about Butler earlier like mm. this is something that should get the bulls out of their seats. That that would mm. be a guy, I mean, for Butler. And then the the sad thing would be Butler being in New York because that's that's not fair to him. Like it's not fair to anybody honestly being in New York. So I don't wish that upon him or anyone else. But no, that's that's probably the deal they have to go to after right now, like a veteran star. Because I imagine that Phil Jackson right now is trying to hang on to his job or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if his money, if his money is guaranteed, then he might not care. I'm really not sure. Like that's that's the thing with the Knicks. I have no idea like what their agenda is, mm-hmm. what what their actions indicate. It just seems like they did. They do the same that they did under Isaiah, which was just panicking all the time. Whenever something came up, it's like, oh, okay, so this could be fixed by, by a trade. Come on. Hey, <laughs> hey, Steve Francis, there you go. Like, you're <laughs> injured. You're really, really bad right now, but we're going to give up a shit ton to get you in. Come on. Come on, Steve Francis. Be a perfect shooting guard next to Stefan Marbury. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, it's they're just panicking all the time. Like, that positive foundation that you need as an organization is just not there. Yeah. So, like, that, that skews what they can get for him as well. I mean, I, I don't think they can get the far for him. Not, not, I mean, they have these requirements and all that. But you have to understand as well, players, they have a say. Not in being traded, but in wanting to stay. And everyone is speaking to everyone. So agents will talk to their players. Like, okay, you're, you're actually on, on you know the trading block right now. You're being discussed in a deal with for Kristaps. For Wait, I'm going to New York? Yeah, maybe okay, my contract is up in 12 months. I'm not returning, just so you know. Like, mm-hmm. by now, you can go to the Knicks and tell I my ass won't stay there. <laughs> right. So that's going to factor in as well. Yeah. I think that if the Knicks get a lot of that feedback, their price on Persingas is going to go way down. Mm.
3: Yeah, I actually like the idea of the Bulls going after him. If only because then they can, the Knicks could just assemble the 2010 yes. Bulls. Yes. Like you're going to have <laughs> Derek, Rose, Butler. You could get Kirk Hybrick back in the fold. It would be real fun. You just took the words, look, the, Knicks, the words
2: out of my mouth. That's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say.
3: Yep. The
0: Knicks loved the prior Bulls. I mean, look, they, they had Eddie Curry. They had Jamal Crawford. They had Tyson Chandler. <laughs> they had the old C unit. They even had Jalen Rose. I mean, come on. They love former Bulls, like Derrick Rose as well, it's it's bound
3: to happen. That is destiny. Bound to happen. Yeah. Uh, so, Jay, if you're the Celtics, you know, we, we could talk about Danny Ainge a little bit later as well, but is this not the type of guy you'd say, you know, I've accumulated like 17 first round picks in the next three drafts, I'm going to unload, you know, this year's number three, the pick they just picked up from Philly, uh, we have a Nets pick next year as well. We have a couple in 2019. Do you not just empty the chambers here to get Chris F's?
2: Uh, First of all, I love talking about the Celtics. I have a, a lovely little rivalry with Celtics fans on Twitter <laughs> because I just, I just do not like the Celtics. but yeah, I mean you, I get I mean I, when I, when I've had these discussions with Celtics people on Twitter, I get not wanting to give up so much for Butler and Paul George. I've talked about wanting a ton, like, both nuts picks and Jalen Brown, blah, blah, blah. And they always come back with, well, we don't want to, like, ruin our future. Which is stupid to begin with because Paul George and Jimmy Butler are both not old, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Either way, yeah. Chris Stapps-Worzingis is, is, what, 21 years old, to so be 22 in a few months or whatever. There's a guy who is awesome and you're building for the future. So he's good <laughs> now and he'll be great, whatever, for the next at least, like, seven years for you, assuming... You would sign him to the max deal or whatever as off the rookie deal, which every really good rookie basically does. So, whatever, you have him for a long time. So, yes, you have all these assets. Make a big offer. And I know they, I saw that they are interested, which obviously they should be. They'd be idiots not to. But then again, I was seeing on Twitter before coming on here, like, oh, like stuff like, well, people were like, oh, would you trade like number three? Basically, what they got from the Sixers plus like a player for Chris evans Like, I feel like that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Like yes, like Porzingis is a twenty-one-year-old unicorn stud big man who can shoot and block shots. Like that sounds great. Like are you really going to say, oh, I don't, I'm not going to trade for Chris Epps because I want Jason Tatum and I'd rather keep Jay Crowder <laughs> and oh uh, well that pick that whatever twenty eighteen or nineteen pick could be really something really awesome. But we still, we're still not totally sure. Like I just don't get that mindset. Like, I, I, this is why you, like, why you have those pieces. I think I feel like. i I think a lot of their idea is they're waiting on anthony davis and the Mm. pelicans so i think their mindset is we're going to keep we're going to do this thing whatever we're going to keep all these assets we make these picks we still have all these extra assets in the future and we're going to wait until anthony davis possibly becomes available and whatever i think if cousins left next summer davis would probably be out the door next i would feel like that the pelicans might look to trade davis i think he'd have Two years left on his deal after next year, I think, two or three, mm-hmm. I can't remember, but I feel like that, I feel like that's their general idea, but still, I mean, you could trade for Porzingis now, and you could use that to get Anthony Davis, like, if, you, right. if you're if you not happy with Porzingis, so it's like, just, it's, they're just like, the Celtics fans just always drive me crazy, mm-hmm. because they always overvalue their own <laughs> guys, and they just go crazy with some of this stuff, but yeah, I mean, if they're the Celtics, as they, the Celtics, they should definitely be looking into this for hardcore yeah,
3: and he—I mean—he'd be a great fit next to Al Horford, yeah. uh, On both ends of the floor, frankly, I mean, their rebounding is still going to be a little spotty, but you have Al Horford in your starting lineup—that's just always going to be the case. The fact they can both step out and hit the three is a huge plus. Uh, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think this is the one you—you know—you go all in for if you're the Celtics. Whether mm-hmm. whether Danny Ainge can stand to be ripped off in two straight deals. We'll have to see. But the fact that the Knicks are under pressure is, you know, as you said, should lower their asking price. I'm kind of, you know, I'm glad you brought up this Anthony Davis thing because, A, I feel like the first person who started this was Jason McIntyre of the big lead, who is not exactly the most plugged in. He's not Woj, let's say that much. Yeah. It was more like speculation. It was like, oh, well, they have four first round picks now. Let's trade them for Anthony Davis. And it was not like a source report at all. So... We need to just clarify that that's not going to happen, as you said, Jay, until at least twenty eighteen. Yeah. You know they're going to give this boogie thing a full year to run its course. Um, I this might be a hot take, but like, given the respective prices that I would expect both guys, Kristaps and Anthony Davis, to command, and how long you have them under team control. I think if I'm the Celtics, I prefer to trade for Kristaps than Anthony Davis. I know Anthony Davis right now is the better player, but given his injury history, the fact he's only under contract for three more years versus seven for Kristaps, given the fact I think Kristaps would probably cost a little bit less than Anthony Davis would, is that a hot take? Am I crazy? I don't think so. And if you could possibly, I don't know if
2: you could do it, but, I mean, if you could... Get Chris Stapps without trading the net, next year's Nets pick? Which again, crazy to be like I said. I saw someone on Twitter and Celtics fans were discussing this year's number three, the Lakers Kings pick, whatever the thing that the other thing they got from the Kings, and then a good player. Like you would get Chris Stapps and also keep that 2018 Nets pick unprotected, and you still wouldn't do it. Like that's that's crazy because then you still mm-hmm. if you had Chris Stapps and then that 2018 Nets pick, whoever you draft that would basically be your centerpiece for an Anthony Davis thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. you'd still have, and they still have like a million other first-rounders later, even if they're not as good. Like, you still have all those other assets. You still have a guy, like Jalen Brown, who could be really good. Like, they still have, it's insane how many assets they were. So it's like, you could cash in on these guys now, and you could probably still have stuff for Anthony Davis later. So, s- s- silly.
3: Yeah, I would make that trade in a heartbeat. And especially because, I mean, this. so this was previously unreported when we talked about the Markel Fultz trade Sunday. That pick, that Lakers-Kings pick they got cannot possibly be number one. Yeah. Either the Lakers pick goes 2-5 to five next year, and if it doesn't, the Kings pick comes, or they get the better of the Kings and the Sixers' 2019 first-round picks. But if either one of those is number one, they get the worst of the two. So no matter what... Their best case scenario is number three this year, and then number two either in 2018 or 2019. So it's not like they're not risking what the Nets did in that Paul Pierce trade. You know, they're not risking giving up the number one overall pick. It's like, yeah, you could give up three, and like maybe you do give up Michael Porter in the worst case scenario. But for Kristaps, like Kristaps is a known commodity, and you've got him for so long. I, Celtics fans, as long as they are not willing to include Terry Rozier in any deal, then there's just no middle ground we can reach. The untouchable um, Terry Rozier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who you know, as if yesterday wasn't crazy enough, uh, with Hot all the good. Paul George, yeah, with all the <laughs> Paul George and Jimmy Butler and everything coming out yesterday. Then, last night, uh, out of the blue, at, like, 6 or 7 o'clock, there's a report. I think Brian Windhorst was the one who first broke the story of ESPN. Uh, The Cavs and David Griffin, the general manager whose contract expired at the end of the month, they mutually decided to part ways. Um, Multiple reports have phrased it as, like, a difference in opinions on the direction of the franchise moving forward. Um, It's not... Exactly clear what that means. There were reports that you know they were, they were shopping Kevin Love for these Jimmy Butler deals. So clearly, David Griffin was open to doing that. Um, we don't know, you know, what that means. Like maybe he was open to dealing Kyrie Irving and Dan Gilbert wasn't, or vice versa. But you know, it, regardless, the Cavs are now two days away from the draft. They don't have a general manager. Uh, and they are, you know, apparently trying to pull off a blockbuster trade. Sarah, is Dan Gilbert quickly rising among the worst owners in the NBA?
1: For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, there was a video that came out recently of LeBron talking about how he really didn't even want to come back to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least not for Gilbert, but he... uh, you know, realized that it was bigger than that, the chance to come back and, mm. and be a, a symbol of hope for the kids in that, that area. Mm. Um, but his mom did not want him to come back. <laughs> she said, if you go, I'm not going. I'll stay in Miami. I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> so, yeah, like, he burned a lot of bridges and really got LeBron back not of his own merit at all whatsoever, which I think we all knew, you know. But, yeah, so he locked his way into LeBron. And now, you know, you had a great GM, and you you can't. I think there were reports too that really it was a nice way of saying he didn't, they couldn't agree on compensation. Mm-hmm. So you know, he clearly didn't want to pay him uh, mm-hmm. what he what he's worth. So I mean, he better hope that yeah, all of our jokes about LeBron being the real GM are are actually true because <laughs> they're in trouble now. Like, it's a, it's incredible that you just mentioned that they're two days away from the draft and don't have a GM. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. that's to, incredible.
2: say, to, to her point about that, about the compensation thing, there were, I think, Windhorse and Dave McManaman had an article come out, and Jason Lloyd at the Athletic last night, basically that Gilbert and Griffin had a meeting on Friday, I think it was, and basically Griffin was like, "I want a lot more money, I want more power in the organization," and Griffin or Gilbert basically got ticked off, canceled the meeting on Sunday, and and then I guess Griffin was working the phones for Jimmy Butler trade Monday, and then that was it. It was like done. But yeah, it sounds like Griffin felt like he was underappreciated by Gilbert in the front office, and that he just wanted more power. Naturally, considering the job he's done, he won a title with his team, he do a really good job. Obviously, getting LeBron back is a huge help, but he's made a lot of other good moves around the fringes, so he wasn't paid that much. So to want more money and to a little more power as maybe a president of basketball operations makes sense, but apparently Gilbert was having none of that, and he. Just just a piece of shit it seems like when i was reading when i was reading like just between reading the athletic article and the espn article about it today just sounds like gilbert just a weird paranoid controlling Mm -hmm. dude and the only i guess the only good thing you can really say about him is that he was willing to pay all this money for these rosters which i mean that's the least you can do when you're a billionaire and you have lebron james like i would hope you're willing to pay that much money but besides that it seems like he's
3: just a, a terrible dude I mean, yep. it's just so crazy. He never
0: extended with a general manager, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I think yeah.
1: it's
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's total, I mean, it's lunacy. You know, we had Sam Bassini on Friday to talk about the draft, and we swayed into here a little bit when we were talking about what's next for Cleveland. And he was saying, like, look, David Griffin has one of the best reputations among general managers in the league. He's good at all facets of the job. What he's done over the last three years, like, getting Schumpert, J.R. Smith, Channing Fry, Kyle Korver out of basically thin air was incredible. Like he continued to fill out that complimentary cast around LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love mm-hmm. that you needed to compete with the Warriors and win their first ever championship. And the fact that, you know, Dad Gilbert was like, Yeah, well thanks but no thanks is it's surreal, especially because, you know, LeBron James before the finals started, throughout the playoffs, has repeatedly praised the work that David Griffin did. Like, it's clear that LeBron had respect for the work David Griffin did. After he stepped down last night, LeBron sent out a tweet and basically said, I forget the exact wording, but it was like, you know, even if no one around here appreciated you, I did. Which, you know, he basically was yep. subtweeting Dan Gilbert sub-tweet. there. Yeah. yeah, so the reports are now that Chauncey Billups is apparently... Uh, going to interview for, like, a team president job, and then he is going to help find a new GM. Morton, I, I saw you scoff immediately. You're not in on Chauncey team president?
0: No, I like Chauncey. It's not that. It's just he has no prior experience mm-hmm. with this. And then to go from one of the league's best GMs to someone who is not tested in that field. Look, Chauncey is extremely bright. I actually think he will do a good job down the line when hes seasoned seasoned but look he's taking over an impossible situation like how do you improve a team that's that capped out where there might be bad lingering feelings because of the dismissal of Griffin you know it's just an, it's just an unsavory situation to, to be put in like especially with an owner like that. Like, let me just read a tweet from David Aldrich last night um, where he said Griffin was elbow deep today, as late as an hour ago, working to put together a monster deal to get Jimmy Butler from Chicago. So that means that within an hour's time, Griffin was trying to work his magic to acquire one of the best players in the league, a top 10 player, to being told that, nope, you're on the (laughs) outs. And then you exactly and then you hire a guy with no front office experience like are you kidding me it is almost oh, kind of bold like
2: a cronyism because whatever i think uh <laughs> yep whatever i think i read that uh what's, whatever billups is friends with lou and mm-hmm. I've been yeah. close with mm-hmm. dan gilbert and that mm-hmm. i think the athletic article that from jason lloyd i think mentioned how they were that Billups was kind of angling for the job during the Eastern Conference playoffs, or it was something like I can't remember where I read that, but it, it was basically kind of like, like cronyism, like I said. Which would, like you said, I I agree with you that I, I bet Billups will seems like a smart guy for the most part. the the love for the love for Mello stuff that on ESPN did not exactly the best, but in general, I feel like he probably would do a good job. But when you go, and especially in the situation the Cavs are in, when you're dealing with LeBron James and you're in win now mode and cutthroat like I mean, I guess if they hired a good GM, I know Stye, Mark Stein, I think, tweeted about possibly them looking at Justin Zanek, who just got screwed by the Bucks as mm, an option. Yeah. Like that, that would probably be a good move. But still, like to do it not at this timing with the Cavs in this situation, it just it's not it's not making any sense at all. It's, yeah, yeah, it's
0: no. So so right now, my list has changed. By the way, I Jason, you don't know this, but on this podcast, I have been. Uh, I, I've been saying for a while that I wanted a, a compo in Chicago to replace Gar and Pax. Yeah. I've been wanting Mike Sarin from Boston and Sam Hinkie, obviously. <laughs> you know, I'll. You know, Mike Sarin, you can, you can stay in Boston. I have a new duo that I want in, <laughs> yeah. in the with the Bulls now. Just David Griffin and Sam Hinkie. Come up. on, one be team president, mm-hmm. the the other GM. Just hand over that money, Gar, and about five years time, you're you're going to be looking pretty dope. I'm uh, in,
3: totally. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> So we need to have the inevitable LeBron James conversation now because, you know, there's been... Oh, he gone! Yeah, there's been, there's been a lot of smoke around Los Angeles in particular. I forget who was the one that first reported, but Kevin Ding in the aforementioned Lonzo Ball column yesterday also included the nugget that apparently LeBron James's wife, Savannah, really wants to move to Los Angeles full-time. Um, and the Lakers are, like, proactively planning... Uh, ways to get both Paul George and LeBron. Um, You know, the Clippers, they just brought in Jerry West. Apparently part of their reasoning was also Jerry West has some sort of relationship with LeBron. They're, they're, They're just trying to angle however they can. So, first, if you're the Clippers, don't you try to bring in David Griffin in some sort of, like, I mean... A takes some responsibility off of Doc Rivers' hands, but B, like if not, just like some sort of front office advisor role. I, I agree. I mean, I feel like at
2: this point Doc just needs to like step down from his president job or whatever. They could just pay him the same amount of money, just get that, just get that title away from him. Like he's done a terrible <laughs> job. So yeah, bring in Dave Griffin to be the president of basketball operations, but you can maybe even make Doc the GM. I don't, I don't. Do they have a GM, actual GM right now, or is it all just Doc?
3: I don't you know? honestly know. I would, yeah. As far as I know, it's all Doc. I think they have a... Yeah, I I,
0: I think they do have a functioning GM. But oh, I'm uh, not sure. It's it, Yeah, it's always Doc's name that pops up,
3: though. Right. Yeah. I mean, the point being, if they're really going after LeBron, LeBron clearly has respect for Dave Griffin at Jace. As you said, <laughs> Doc has not done the best job in charge of running the day-to-day operations of the franchise. So, like, that's a no-brainer to me. But... More, as you said, it, you know it sounds like LeBron really might be heading out in 2018. Um, mm-hmm. we, I feel like we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Uh, you know, if Los Angeles is really his motivation, which one of those two teams would you prefer seeing him sign with?
0: <sighs> I, I honestly don't know because it depends on the Paul George thing, right? Mm-hmm. Really. I mean if George ends up in, in LA I just I would I would probably go there because he compliments, you know, LeBron perfectly. Absolutely perfectly. Um depends on what you have to give up for George, though. Like if you can keep on Joe Russell there, then you'll have a sort of not so good Kyrie clone mm-hmm. that you could sort of hope to get better. And <sighs> the Lakers, it's the Tinseltown. Yeah, I'm gonna go Lakes.
1: Mm.
3: Like, show. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think if um, if George does go, they would probably need to package D'Angelo with either the Mozgov or Deng contract to get them off the books, just to fit both uh, LeBron yeah, and George point. under the yeah. cap. But still, you know, you still have George, LeBron, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and then, you know, Larry Nance, Bleh. Zubac. Yeah. It's interesting. Maybe move Ball instead of D'Angelo, though.
0: That's mm. that's where I'm at. Yeah, like move the, the current pig if need be. Look, can we just reiterate how awfully stupid those two contracts were last year? <laughs> I mean, I don't even care about the money involved per year. Right. That, did, that didn't matter whatsoever. It was the four years. Like, what on earth? And people after Mitch Kupchak were fired were like, oh, Mitch is gone. I don't... I don't understand. He did <laughs> such a great job. Yeah, well he did, like overall, obviously, but like that is a huge monumental mistake.
2: Yeah. Like And that mo Armaged- the, the Mazgov thing, literally that was like I think the first deal agreed upon in free agency. Yeah, I remember yeah. like whatever, at midnight, right after midnight it was Lakers agreed right. to a four year deal with Mosgov at sixteen million a year. Like what what are you doing? Like who, <laughs> who, I just don't understand committing that type of money, I mean, even though he was good for the Cavs in 2015, like he was awful last year, and he was injury problems, and he's 30, like just, I can't even imagine what's going through your mind to think that we need to get out in front of free agency like this, and give Timothy got Timothy that contract, and then the top, I mean mm. ba- that's bad enough, and then the top it off with Dang's contract as well, like, I, I'm a big old Dang fan, he was awesome in Chicago for a lot of years, but like, he was. he's old, he's beat up, he's got a lot of Myers on the miles on those legs, so Again, four-year deal, whatever, seventeen, eighteen million a year. Just, just you knew immediately that those contracts were going to be a huge mistake. And what do you know? They are. Maybe, maybe they'll get out of them. They could stretch them out over a ton of years if they really wanted to. But just, just terrible, terrible. <laughs> Terrible, yeah. yeah I mean, no, and and
0: here's the thing: even if they got like Miami Dang, who was decent, like he he actually found his game when he started playing the four. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like even to if he you got contract. that thing, yeah, exactly. Like you don't give him four, you don't give him four. Like you don't even get close to it. Like at most, I would have given him like three, but the third year would have yeah. been like at least partially unguaranteed, right. like, or, or vast majority of it would have not have been guaranteed. So, and, and I believe everything like it's guaranteed mm-hmm. for those two yep. right it's all 100% guaranteed cheese. yeah I remember yeah, both
3: deals yep yeah, both deals Zach Lowe I don't remember what column it was in so I think about the Wizards um, he said like the Wizards were in negotiations with luel Dang for like a three year I want to say it was around 50-55 million and then they heard the Lakers offer and were like what the hell <laughs> like, what, what are you doing yeah uh, yeah, especially for Mozgov. Like, look at you know Willie Reed and like Dwayne Dedman signed for a fraction of that cost, and they were arguably as impactful, if not more. Dedman especially. So yeah, that, those are two. Oh, that's not even an argument. Yeah, yeah, right. I guess right. I guess those guys got to play until the end of the season, whereas Mozgov had to get shut down a month in advance. Uh, it, but the, the timing of it was also weird like we've
0: talked about this before on this podcast like when you have a bunch of young players it does make sense at some point to go out and spend money because otherwise your money is going to be tied up with the extension of the young guys mm-hmm. but the Lakers weren't even there Right? like they were not close to like having a lot of guys coming up for extensions yeah. like they, they weren't even close like they just
2: they ejaculated prematurely that's <laughs> all I'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah just brutal. Like, I guess if you could have talked me into if they just would have signed, even if it was the bad four years for Dang, if they would have just done like Dang for, because he was kind of effective last year as the Tresh Four, and he is a great guy in the locker room to have. So, like, okay, I get it. If you give one veteran that overpay to be a veteran voice in the locker room and maybe still give you some good minutes, fine. It just, he like said, the combo of it, all guaranteed, all those years, just completely ridiculous. And. That's why Mitch,
3: Mitch, part of the reason why Mitch is a, a goner. <laughs> right, yeah. No. Um, Sarah, I, I mean, you're already dealing with Kevin Durant in the West. Are you ready to deal with a world where the Spurs <laughs> have to compete with Kevin Durant and LeBron James before they even get to the finals?
1: It's, it's really not okay, is it? <laughs> It's okay, because LeBron's coming here next year. Oh. He's going to play with the one guy he, he least likes playing against, which is Kawhi. Uh, it's gonna be okay. I mean, I'm just disappointed that we didn't mention when we were talking about Chauncey, that ESPN tweet where he advocated for them trading Love for Mello. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like is do we think that's gonna happen if they pick him up?
3: Oh
2: God. I would I would hope not. I mean, like I said, he <laughs> might he might have just been saying that at the time on TV. Maybe panicked a little mm. bit, and maybe he does have a little thought of that in general. But I feel like he would hope a stronger front office around him and. The, whoever he would hire to GM, I would hope that he'd say, Let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. he,
0: he yeah. may not have known that Melo has a 15% trade kicker as well. Yeah. Like, Melo would be earning about $30 million a year with that trade kicker uh, going in. Like, he has the option to waive it, but <laughs> who are we kidding? Right. I mean, look, he had a perfect opportunity to join a somewhat, uh, you know, competent version of the Bulls in 2014. But he opted for more money, which is, like, fair. I, I get that. Okay, that was, like, what, 50? Jason was, like, 50 million more he
2: accepted? Oh, for Mellow like Mello right? and the Bulls? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think he, the Bulls yeah. didn't, even have ca- they, they didn't even have max capsules. I'm pretty sure the Bulls were trying to, like, sell him on some garbage deal that, I mean, I guess they could have made max capsules if they would have traded, like, Taj and maybe something else, but yeah. I'm pretty sure they were trying to get him to take, like, less money, which is,
3: you yeah. asinine.
2: <laughs> I but think 75
3: or yeah, something. It was, like. it was a lot. <laughs> Mm. Well, in Chauncey's yeah. defense, so, he actually might not know what a trade kicker is. So, <laughs> An inexperienced, Right, exactly. I, I, this could be a Vlade part two. Hopefully not for <laughs> Cavs fans' sake. But yeah, I, I think, let's just say, let's agree that we will be talking a lot about LeBron James' future uh, in the next 12 months, because it sounds like he could be heading elsewhere. I will say this, though. You know, if Obviously, if your wife wants to move to L.A. and that's what's going to guide your decision, that's fine. Uh, happy, wife, happy wife, happy life. Right. Uh, I don't think, you know, I, I would be shocked if the Clippers could make it work where they're ever going to be competitive against the Warriors. I just don't see how you can do that with, you know, a super max for Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan still signed. In theory, Blake Griffin will probably be gone. J.J. Redick will probably be gone, so... I don't see that. The Lakers, you know, they, they've got a bunch of young, promising guys, but they're not far enough along. You know, maybe they swing another trade and swap Lonzo or Brandon Ingram for a third star, and maybe that happens. But if I'm LeBron, like, don't you want to stay east and join, like, either Milwaukee or, yep. or dare I say, Philadelphia with your boy Ben Simmons? uh
2: yeah. Probably. I mean,
0: definitely seeing it. When I
2: was thinking of LeBron and the Clippers, I was just thinking of Team Banana about getting together. You know, CP3 <laughs> Max, D-Wade could come for the minimum. Maybe hey, Melo gets bought out. and Then they could just join up and definitely not be good enough to beat the worst anyways because <laughs> Mello and Wade are not good anymore. Right.
0: So basically, remain the Clippers. be yes. right. good, <laughs> but not good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah exactly. I, I, well,
0: look, let, let's be honest. We we've all talked about Team Banana Boat. Like yeah. we want to see it at some point. Yeah, it would be fun, especially. And I've I've aired this out before. Especially if it was the final season for all of them. Mm-hmm. Like that would be the most epic farewell tour of all time. Like that you gather on the same team, the four of them and they go out together, all of them. In a
3: blaze of glory the and lose in the <laughs> yep. second round. All right.
0: And lose in the second round. Yeah. That's the only time I want to
3: see it happen, though, because I don't want to waste, I mean, I know LeBron is on the tail end of his prime, but I don't want to waste a year of LeBron James supernova on a team that's probably not even getting out of the, what, like maybe they make it to the Western Conference Finals, if that. Yeah. Like,
0: well it's not happening this year. Wade is gonna pick up his option in Chicago. It's twenty four million, dude. He's not gonna get anywhere near that in the open market. So you've gotta wait to at least yeah, twenty years next summer.
2: He'll get all years. he'll get all this money this year and then he'll take the min- minimum next year with the Clippers with LeBron. <laughs>
3: yep.
1: It's all happening.
3: Oh boy. All right. Uh- <laughs> I think that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. I will, Sarah. Shout out to your Spurs though, because Pau Gasol and David Lee have declined their player options. So, they... I'm very CP3 excited. on the way. Like, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's that's like our version of trading for the number one pick, right? It's <laughs> oh, like yeah. oh, somebody Good. declined their player option to give us more flexibility. <laughs> 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 so, so
0: if if the Spurs actually get CP3, should get a
1: statue? Mm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, honestly, I don't think they're, well, who knows, they're always like eight steps ahead of me, but I don't think that's what they're angling for. But, we shall see. Yeah. They, they would like, still have to, I think, trade Tony to, to make room. Depending on okay. what, what CP3 is looking for. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, might make basketball sense, but I don't see them doing it. Oh, well,
0: you know, he's not going to Oh, I'm not going to piss you off, Sarah. We've had a good episode. I'm not (laughs) going to annoy you this time. Hey,
1: and I also saw that uh, Woj said there's been positive indications that Monty might come back. So, cheer on
3: that, morning. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's Christmas for Spurs fans today. Jeez.
1: It's a wonderful day. uh.
0: Uh, It's going to be so wonderful when he goes scoreless for four straight games in the playoffs again.
1: You're such a hater. Didn't
3: you just say you were going to be nice for it? No, he can't (laughs) even help himself. I can't.
0: I'm sorry. I'm horrible.
3: Sarah, I'm glad (sighs) you mentioned the number one pick. Quick thoughts, Jason and Sarah. Morton and I already talked about this last episode, but I want to hear your quick thoughts about uh, that Markel Fultz trade. Sarah, we could start with you.
1: I obviously love it for the Sixers. I don't fully understand it for the Celtics, but, you know... It's not terrible for them either. A lot of people have said it's win-win. They're angling still for the future. They're angling to have, you know, the best way to approach the draft is to have a lot of picks and see what hits. Uh, that's fine. I also, you know, I would like it better if they end up getting somebody like Paul George or Jimmy Butler. I, I kind of doubt that's going to happen. But if it does, then I love it for both teams.
3: That is that is a reasonable take. Yeah, I'm going to have something on Bebo Breakdown later about Danny Inch hopefully, today. Uh, Jason, what about you? How did you feel? Do you do you feel like it's like lopsided in either way, or do you think, it, as Sarah said, it could be a win-win eventually?
2: I wouldn't say lopsided. I, I feel like I would trend towards it could be a win-win. I, would, I did have to get those Danny Ainge jokes off, though. I just I mean, I have to get those Danny Ainge jokes. For the Sixers, obviously it makes plenty of sense. Fultz works perfectly into that core. They, they've they needed a lead guard forever. Obviously, Ben Simmons might be played a lot of point guard, but they needed a guard shoot, play off the ball, play on the ball. Makes perfect sense. They liked him. They didn't give up. I mean, whatever the pick they gave up, whatever they liked their guy. They needed to take a step forward. That's why you why you get all these assets and you build build it to make a trade like this. So you get it. Like I said, for the Celtics, Danny Ainge put on the spin of oh well, we th- we think we're gonna I get like the, our our guy at number three. Like that, we were gonna number one. I mean, fine, sure. I guess. I mean, if you love Jason Tatum or Josh Jackson that much, I mean, it seems like they really do love Tatum a lot. So I'm not mm-hmm. like Tatum. I'm sure is fine, but from what I've read, what I've seen, I'm like not crazy about him being like a star player. I, I don't know, like whatever. It seems like seems like in the mellow build, and I mean, not that mellow is bad, but like like Prime Miller is obviously really good, but not even on that level. So like, I mean, I guess if they can flip it into George or Jimmy Butler, like I mean, that's that would probably be good. But I definitely think the Sixers definitely a winner in that trade with the Celtics kind of. Eh, with possibility of maybe coming out ahead at some point.
3: Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up that Ainge comment because he could just go screw himself. That I was, I, <laughs> I was on board with the with the Celtics side until he said that shit. Now I'm just like, shut up, Danny Ainge. You were not going to pick Jason Tatum at number one. Just shut up. You were going to take Markel Fultz and trade him. That's fine. You were not going to waste. If if they did that, uh, we were talking to Sam. If they for whatever reason took anyone aside from Fultz, Magic Johnson would trip over himself running to the podium yep. to put Fultz's yep. name and number two. So that—that that is just Danny Ainge being Danny Ainge. But Brian Colangelo, I don't know if you guys saw yesterday, he was doing his press conference. And he was like, yeah, I have a lot of respect for the smart people in Boston. I'm talking about Mike Zier and not Danny Ainge. So, <laughs> <Southern. laughs> so Brian Colangelo officially in the honeymoon phase for Philadelphia fans. Um, that is going to do it. Today for the NBA podcast, we will be back Friday, ideally, with a draft recap. Jason, want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, and just remind our listeners one more time where they can find you on Twitter, uh, where they can find your work. And shout out your draft live show that you guys are doing Thursday.
2: Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Bulls underscore J. Find work at FanRag NBA, Twitter is FanRag Sports, and then FanRagNBA. Uh, you can also find some of my work on bloggable.com. That's just Chicago Bulls stuff, or sometimes I rant about how crappy the Bulls are. And then, yeah, tomorrow night, with the draft, uh, me and Zach Harper, our lead NBA writer at FanRag Sports, we will be doing a live stream-type deal, just analyzing draft picks, analyzing any trades that happened, that I'm not totally sure how it's going to be set up exactly. I just know that we're going to be on live Doing, giving the analysis, so that should be a lot of fun. And looking forward to it, like I so I think it's for based on what we the rumors we've been seeing this whole week, like it's it could have the potential to get pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, it seems like it's gonna be a wild night, so tune into that if you wanna see Jay's live reaction to when the Bulls trade Jimmy Butler for a sack of peanuts. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, or until Orchel Okafor. Oh. oh Lord. You Why? guys need to brace yourself. It's happening, Julia Okafort for the number sixteen pick. Happening book it. Oof. We'll <laughs> book it. Yeah. Um, okay, till next time. Reminder that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio you can find all three of our handles, so give us a follow as well. Check us out on iTunes, we'd love it if you subscribe, download it, left some reviews. Any feedback would be great. And again, we're being hosted this year on Fanrag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at Fanrag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Pork and I was joined by Morton Jensen, Sarah Chilea, and Jason Pett. Have a good one, you three. Take it easy. You too, Brian. Take care.
0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
3: Oh, 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 O'Reilly! Auto Parts.